every good to great company had a level five leader. Furthermore, the absence of level five leadership was a consistent pattern in the comparison companies. Level five refers to a five-level hierarchy of executive capabilities. Level one, a highly capable individual who makes productive contributions through talent, knowledge, skills, and good work habits. Level two, a contributing team member who contributes individual capabilities to the achievement of group objectives and works effectively with others in a group setting. Level three, a competent manager who organizes people and resources toward the effective and efficient pursuit of predetermined objectives. Level four, an effective leader catalyzes commitment to and vigorous pursuit of a clear and compelling vision stimulating higher performance standards. Level five. A level five executive builds enduring greatness through a paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional will. Level five leaders are incredibly ambitious, but the ambition is first and foremost for the cause, not themselves. Contrary to conventional wisdom, level five leaders are often self-effacing, quiet, reserved, even shy, more likely to motivate with inspired standards than inspiring personality. One such leader was Darwin E. Smith, who became chief executive of Kimberly Clark, a paper company whose stock had fallen 36% behind the general market over the previous 20 years. Smith, the company's mild-mannered lawyer, wasn't sure the board had made the right decision, which was reinforced when a director reminded him that he lacked the relevant qualifications. But over the next 20 years, Smith transformed Kimberly Clark, generating cumulative stock returns 4.1 times the general market. Yet few people know anything about Darwin Smith, and he would have probably liked that. In retirement, Smith reflected on his exceptional performance, stating, I never stopped trying to become qualified for the job. Jim gave his research team's explicit instruction to downplay the role of leadership, to avoid the simplistic credit or blame the leader thinking that is prevalent today. To use analogy, the leadership is the answer to everything perspective, is equivalent to the God is the answer to everything, that held back scientific understanding of the physical world. If we attribute everything to leadership, we prevent ourselves from gaining a deeper understanding of what makes great companies tick. The comparison companies also had leaders. So how could leadership be a differentiator? Because a level five leader was at the helm of every good to great company during their transition. Furthermore, the absence of level five leadership was a consistent pattern in the comparison companies. Given level five leadership goes against the conventional wisdom of needing larger than life leaders to transform companies. It's important to note, level five is an empirical, not ideological finding. Level five leaders are a study of duality, modest and willful, humble and fearless. Consider Coleman Mockler, CEO of Gillette from 1975 to 1991. During Mockler's tenure, Gillette faced three attacks that threatened to destroy their chance at greatness. Two attacks came as hostile takeover bids from Revlon, led by Ronald Perelman. The third came from Coniston Partners, who bought 5.9% of Gillette stock 
and initiated a proxy battle to seize control of the company, in hopes of selling it to the highest bidder. Had Mokla accepted Perelman's offer, shareholders would have reaped an instant 44% gain on their stock. Most executives would have cashed in, but Mokla and Gillette's executives instead chose to fight, reaching out to thousands of individual investors to win the battle. Mokla and his team were staking the company's future on huge investments into Sensor and Mark III. Had the takeover been successful, these projects would have almost certainly been eliminated. These investments promised significant future profits that weren't reflected in the current stock price because of their secrecy. The board and Mokla believed the future value of the shares far exceeded the current price, even with the price premium offered. And they were right. To sell out would have made short-term investors happy, but would have been terrible for long-term shareholders. If Mokla had accepted the 44% price premium offered on October 31st, 1986, and then people invested the full amount in the general stock market for 10 years to the end of 1996, they would have come out three times worse off than a shareholder who stayed with Mokla and Gillette. Level 5 leaders want to see the company even more successful in the next generation. They're comfortable with the idea that most people won't even know that the roots of the success trace back to their efforts. In contrast, the comparison leaders were more concerned with their own reputation. Over three quarters of the comparison company leaders failed to set up their successes for success, chose a weak successor, or both. While some of the comparisons took their companies from good to great for a brief moment, when they left, the company went from great to irrelevant. After all, what better testament to your own personal greatness than a place that falls over after you leave? In contrast to the eye-centric style of comparison leaders, good to great leaders didn't talk about themselves. They talked about the company and the contributions that other executives made, avoiding discussions about their own accomplishments. It wasn't false modesty. Those who worked or wrote about good to great leaders frequently used words like quiet, humble, modest, reserved, shy, gracious, mild-mannered, self-effacing, and understated. The 11 good to great CEOs were some of the most remarkable CEOs of the century yet almost no one ever remarked about them. They never wanted to be larger-than-life heroes. They were ordinary people quietly producing extraordinary results. In contrast, two-thirds of the comparison companies had an egocentric leader that contributed to the demise or continued mediocrity of the company. This pattern was particularly strong in the unsustained comparisons, cases where the company would show a leap in performance under a talented leader, only to decline in latter years. Level 5 leadership is not just about humility and modesty. It's equally about the resolve to do what needs to be done. They're fanatically driven to produce results, displaying workmanlike diligence, more plowhorse than showhorse. George Kane, who became CEO of Abbott Laboratories, 
after working there for 18 years, is one example. He couldn't stand mediocrity and was intolerant of anyone who would accept the idea that good was good enough. He set out to destroy one of the key causes of Abbott's mediocrity, nepotism, systematically rebuilding the board and executive team with the best people he could find. If you didn't have the capability to be the best executive in the industry, you were out. This is something you'd expect from an outsider, brought in to turn the company around, but Kane was an insider. In fact, he was a family member, the son of a previous Abbott president. Even if they got fired, family members had to be pleased with the performance of their stock. Kane set in motion a profitable growth machine that beat the market by 4.5 times between 1974 and 2000. This reflects a more systematic finding of good to great. Evidence did not support the idea that you need an outside leader to go from good to great. In fact, high-profile outsiders were negatively correlated with a sustained transformation. 10 of the 11 good to great CEOs came from inside the company, three of them by family inheritance. The comparison companies turned to outsiders six times more often yet they failed to produce sustained great results. The good to great executives talked a lot about luck. Some even flat out refused to take credit for their company's success, attributing it to the good fortune of having great colleagues, successes, and predecessors. At first, Jim and his team were puzzled by this emphasis on luck. They found no evidence that the good to great companies were blessed with more good luck than the comparison companies. Then, they noticed a contrasting pattern in the comparison executives. They credited substantial blame to bad luck. The emphasis on luck turns out to be part of a pattern called the window and the mirror. Level 5 leaders look out the window and attribute success to factors other than themselves. When things go poorly, They look in the mirror and blame themselves, taking full responsibility. The comparison CEOs did the opposite, looking in the mirror to take credit and out the window to assign blame. Jim's hypothesis is there are two types of people, those who have the seed of level five and those who don't. For those who don't, work will always be about what they get, not what they build. The great irony is personal ambition often drives people toward positions of power, but stands at odds with the humility required for level 5 leadership. Most people have the seed of level 5. The problem is not a dearth of potential level 5 leaders. Rather, it's the fact that people operate under the belief that you need to hire larger-than-life leaders to make an organization great. This is why level 5 leaders rarely appear as CEOs. To find level 5 leaders, look for places where extraordinary results exist, but no individual steps forward to claim credit. For your own development, begin practicing the other good-to-great concepts. This episode is about what level 5 leaders are. The remaining concepts cover what they do.